On this episode of the Comic Book Kaiju Podcast, I have the founder of Catalyst Magazine, a quarterly magazine that is designed to promote independent creators, the host of the Panels on Pages podcast, one of the best comic book podcasts around, as well as, I would say, one of the most knowledgeable comic book TikToks that you will ever find. We have Catalyst creator, indie hype man on his Balkan BS, Mr. Dalibor. How are you doing today, sir? I am well. I am well. Thank you so much. Excellent. <laughs> That's I a am... great intro. That's an outstanding <laughs> intro. Thank you. I'm very glad you joined me because, um, like I said, your actually your TikTok is what drew my attention first. And um, you just kept coming up. The algorithm just kept throwing it to me. And it was just knowledgeable response after knowledgeable response. So I said, I got to follow him. Um, I got to get this comic book knowledge in my brain. So I have been uh, a faithful follower on TikTok. And then that spread to the podcast and then your Catalyst magazine. Um, so I, I'm very uh, happy to have you on the show. Happy to have all of your comic book goodness um, on today. And actually, I wanted to start off with your comic book origin story. So I want to hear, because I always find it fascinating, how do people get into comics, whether it's the X-Men 90s animated show or a Batman movie, Michael Keaton, Christopher Reeve. So how did you get started in comics? What hooked you? So I've been reading a form of comics since since the Balkan days, since, Bo since Bosnia, since I was a, a wee tyke. <laughs> if you can imagine me being a wee tyke. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I, I used to read, uh, what is probably best described as like more pulp style magazine. So oh. black and white, pan, like, you know, sequential stuff, but it was black and white. It was all usually like, you know, uh, cops and robbers, uh, mystery men kind of stuff, like nothing superpower, no superheroes, uh, until I got to America. And then it was definitely, I, I can't pick which one was first. It was all, all around the same time. But I mean, it went from Power Rangers huh. right away into the Spider-Man and X-Men animated series. And from there, I just absorbed everything I could. And then my first comic book, man, I'm going to mess this up because I always forget the number. But I'm pretty sure <sighs> Amazing Spider-Man 4. 18 i feel like that's right who okay. knows but it was a it was a ben riley uh was Ooh. my spider-man you know ben riley was my first comic book spider-man uh and they hadn't gotten to that story in the show yet so i didn't know anything about ben riley and what really like just captured me in that issue was that was i think the introduction of uh i believe her name was i want to say it was belladonna she was like a an assassin but you could like hear her words because of the the lettering uh, that was used for her uh she had like emphasis on certain words so they use different colors for certain words and different different styles of fonts so the way she talked to people was very visual so i could i could like hear so every time i even think about her i see those letters like to this day and i've only really read that issue maybe four times ever so like I, I I but I know like it's like I have it I have it in my special collection of very few uh, singles that I have because it, it was the way I walked into it and then oh, uh, from there I was it was like a, I was on a road trip with my uncle and we stopped at a, like a gas station this was back when you could get comic books anywhere mm. and uh, picked that up it, it was like that or it was some twenty ninety nine stuff and I I just started watching the Fantastic Four animated series. But it was like a like 299 Fantastic Four is a completely different thing 
and I didn't know anything that was going on. So I was like, <laughs> Spider-Man, I understand. I don't understand this. So I'm going to go with the Spider-Man. And uh, yeah, that was, that was it. From then, from there, it was a deep dive into X-Men. I mean, like ah. super, super deep dive into X-Men. I, I, between X-Men, Spider-Man, and, and uh, really Gargoyles, honestly, um, mm. that, like that's my foundation of my character. Like that's who I am. Like I was taught not to be a racist by X Men, um, and it's funny because like rewatching, it's they did they weren't shy about it. That mm. was like the thing that I always take away. Like that was a show. Like it's funny because like nowadays a lot of people say, "Oh, like well, you know, they're just browbeating you with a lesson," and like and like I feel like that sometimes, but it's like really really dependent on the writing. But the X-Men show was just in your face with it. <laughs> like, it was like, we're planning a mission, but the TV in the background is a Friends of Humanity rally. And it's like, they're being assholes. They're the bad guys. They are wrong. And it's like, holy shit. Like, they really just went all the way with it. And, and I, I really honestly think that, like, I treat people, like, the way I do, like, equally because of X-Men. <laughs> like it's, and it's funny to me to watch people who claim to be X-Men fans complain about equality. Like, yeah, like you didn't read it. <laughs> you didn't watch. <laughs> you weren't paying attention. <laughs> and that's something that actually stands out to me in particular, because you'll comment on TikToks where I'll post, oh, um, this is they they race swapped a character or somebody was not how they were originally in the comics. And then people will be like, oh, like, let's say for Namor, for example. Um, oh, he, he, why does he have to be brown? Why does he have to be blah, blah, blah? And I'll see you defending the equality like so that was another thing that always stuck out to me was um i think your morals are very solid and that was the same thing for me too um superheroes in general are where i got a lot of my morality from of hey this is right this is wrong right. it was all of those lessons from the comic books and animated shows so it's funny that i wonder if they those creators you know realize the impact that they had on all of these children across the world that were reading these things consuming these things and it just kind of absorbed into our DNA. So I'm I'm very similar to you, like with Spider-Man, with X-Men. It's just part of my DNA that this is what's right and what's moral. And actually, X-Men is really interesting, especially that 90s animated show, because there are – you can see both the racial um, equality part of it. And then also now, I think there's even more um, uh, sexual, like um, homosexuality and – um, bisexuality. There's a lot of things that they, they just preach the, Hey, this is what e equality, you know, don't treat someone who is different than you uh, differently. Treat them as you want to be treated almost that, right. that golden rule. So I always find it interesting that X-Men, you can adapt it to as the times go on. It's like, Oh yeah, this is a metaphor for this. This is a metaphor for this. Um, so I always found that interesting. And like I said, your, just your responses on, TikTok, I can tell that it's something that is important to you and um, it sticks out to me as well. So I just wanted to give you kudos on that, give you props on all I of your uh, TikTok stuff. And it, you know, the stuff that you say is it just, I, I think it would be common sense, but especially since I started <laughs> posting on YouTube, I've been getting comments and it's like, this is 2022. What is going on? These people are like, um, Dang, now I'm blanking on her name. The the one who wanted to play Rogue, um, she just hosted SNL recently. Oh, my God. Um, I can see her face, uh, but I'm blanking on the name. But it was like 
so many people came oh, out. That's my feelings. I, I'm, I'm so bad with memories. <laughs> people's Kiki names. Palmer. Kiki Palmer. Kiki yes. Palmer. And, and so, you know, just, oh, she wants to play Rogue. Okay, why not? There's nothing about the character of Rogue that says she has to be Caucasian or says she has right. to be anything. And all these people, well, it wasn't like that when I was growing up, so I can't be like that now. You can't have an African-American. And it's like, what is going on? These people have no, like, first of all, it just that shocks me that they believe that. But then also right. the no filter to to say it like they have no shame in saying it out loud and it's like i don't know what is going on but like i said the youtube is what brought that to my attention actually tiktok as well so i was like man i didn't realize there was that many people still left that were believing this way but it just kind of boggles it, my mind it's insane it's insane <laughs> to watch like i so i mean and, and you see like tiktok is a perfect microcosm of see like seeing what every different group of people goes through and it's one of those like i knew women had it tough but then watching women creators that i follow have to literally just defend their existence yeah of just like hey i'm just on here doing my thing you like i'm not here to be sexualized i'm i'm fucking cosplaying yeah. like it, right. it's insane to me like i get fucking drained watching them have to do it and then the feeling they I can't even imagine how they actually feel about it because it's such a fuck like and so like you know I put my two two cents in where I can but it's like at some point like I I have no business speaking in certain circles so like I I always sit down and I look at it and I'm like I have an opinion and then I'm like do I have a dog in this fight like is there something I can bring to this that is that is beneficial or am I just parroting shit or am I just like diluting the argument? So I, I walk away a lot more. When I was first on TikTok, I was trying to get into a lot of <laughs> a lot of a lot of boxing matches because there's a lot to fight. I mean, there's if this was a if this was a, a beautiful and just world, there wouldn't be any fights to have. Uh, but unfortunately, that's not the situation that we're in. So yeah. it, there are a lot of fights to be fought. So I, you know, I have very strong feelings about a lot of things. And you just see people talking out the side of their face and it's very very like for me it's frustrating and i'm i'm just a straight white dude i cannot <laughs> imagine i can't i cannot like i have a really good i have a really good fucking imagination but like i still can't like fully comprehend the situation from a different person's person's perspective like that um so when i i put in like from my perspective where i can like when people freaked out about what was it seeing red and everyone's like, oh, this, that, or the other thing. It's I'm like, well, look, I've never been a girl. I never had to deal with a you know period and growing up as a girl. But I've got mom issues. I related to that, like having to live up to your mother's expectations. Like, right. holy shit! Like that movie touched me in that aspect. Like I didn't, I don't know what it's like to have to be a teenager and a girl. That's a whole different fucking universe. But like, I I related to the part that I could relate to, and that's the thing that I. And every every time somebody's like, oh. Uh, oh, they race swapped or whatever. Why? Why can't it be like the comics? Like, so is is it that much harder for you know somebody as a white person to see themselves in a black character? Because black people have been having to do that for a hundred fucking years since media started. So like, what? It, it, are, like, is it just that much harder? It's just so impossible for you to see like like re reflections of yourself in a person who doesn't look exactly like you and behave exactly like it's so ridiculous to me yeah it's crazy because like i said if it's not something that is built into the character let's say like okay you know t'challa and black panther being african being part of wakanda is part of that character's essence like it's not yeah. going to be the I'm same like specifically you... not, not non 
colonized nation, like completely separate. Like there is so much core to that. And it's like, people were talking about uh, like a, a black Superman. Like that could be interesting. Let's, let's see where it goes. But like, I personally, because I read the comics, like, I like the black Superman that we have. Like yeah. I love Valzad. Like yeah. earth two was the best thing that came out of new 52. And I love Valzad's story, like him growing and like becoming mature and like eventually hooking up with the power girl, then becoming Superwoman or whatever. Like that's a, that's a great fucking story. Let's follow that story. And like yeah. seeing a, seeing a situation where we have a Superman who wasn't like raised the, you know, generically mo morally appropriate way or whatever, but still being a good person. Like that's the fucking cool part of this story. But yeah. it's like, Oh, we just want to like have a black Clark Kent story. Okay. I mean like that could be interesting, but then it's like, you can't not change the situation. Mm -hmm. Like his, a black kid growing up in fucking Kansas is going to be a different situation. Like, right. And like that's what miles and Peter are different for a reason. Right. And that's what everything should be is like, it should be in service of the story. What is the best story that we can tell and how these characters changing and evolving and growing. And it just, like I said, it blows my mind that the, the first of all, that they have that thought. And then secondly, that they'll say it before it even happens. Like the Kiki Palmer thing. It's like, she hasn't been cast. People are like, Oh, this is terrible. I'm never watching Marvel again. And yeah. like, wait a minute. She hasn't been cast yet. This is her saying that she would like to play the character. Mm -hmm. And it's like, did you even listen to my news? Like my report that I made was that she wants to do it. Not that she's been cast. So it's, and it it's was crazy. very much, it was like a fan cast. And then she saw it. She was like, yes. that's a good idea. I'm yeah. into that. Right. Which to me, that automatically is a sign that that should be the person playing it. Right. Because if they're already into that character, the, the idea of playing that character let that motherfucker play. Like, right. Right. <laughs> like, and that's the, when, when someone's passionate about something, they're going to bring a better product to the table. Right. And I didn't see one person saying, I just don't like her as an actress. I don't like her acting. No, cause they she's were, right. Yeah. Everything was the look like she looks, she's black. I don't like the way she looks. And it's like, why are you here? Why are you following my channel? Why are I, I just don't understand. Like, so it's, it just boggles my, like I said, I, I've said it, take a shot. Every time I've said it boggles my mind, but I just, in 2022, I never thought that I would be living in this world because I grew up biracial. Uh, my dad was in the Air Force, so we were in a different country every two years. And growing up on the military bases, it was like, oh, okay, I see all races. I see everybody. And I didn't realize that people did not think that, like, oh, everyone is open to everything. So it's just kind of, like, crazy to me. And, and now I'm trying to pass that on to my son and, and be like, hey, this is the way that this is the proper way that that you should do things. But yeah, um, so hopefully we can just continue our comic book, like spreading that as we as we received it, you know, continuing on to the next generation and and passing on what we have learned on to the next one. Um, but I also um, speaking of X-Men, Spider-Man, things like that. I wanted to get your take because this is another thing on TikTok. Like I said, you're very knowledgeable. That's one of those things that when I follow somebody, I want to follow someone that's either entertaining or educating, like either I'm getting information or I'm getting entertained. So when, when I see your stuff, I'm like, Oh man, he knows what he's talking about. He knows that I know that whatever the topic is, you're going to be able to, to wax poetic on it. So I wanted to ask you what currently is tickling your fancy in the world of comics, um, Marvel DC image, you know, what, what has been like knocking it out of the park for you lately? A lot. I, I don't want to say everything 
in the current Krakoan era of X-Men. Mm. Uh, at first, it was everything because I think um, there was just a lot more single-mindedness because it was there was a single mind behind it when right. Hickman was running it. Um, and it's funny because I didn't realize – retroactively, I realized that a lot of the stuff I've liked historically has been Hickman. Ooh, so, like, yes. it's been very – like, the, the pre uh, – pre-secret wars avengers stuff the avengers yes. world stuff hmm. that was hickman and i was like that makes sense he thinks the way i think i think <laughs> so it's funny because like he did the whole like different different strike teams and stuff for avengers and i was like i was like you're welcome world because i thought of that shit like 10 15 years ago i wrote that shit down in a notebook i put that onto the universe he just executed it and i was like you guys are welcome same nice. thing with the, the new uh what was it the new uh dexter show uh, literally when Dexter ended, my cousin and I, we, uh, with my tech channel, we do a little more little film stuff as well. So we're working on some shorts, uh, short films. And I was like, what we should do is we should wait like the regular, like the regular lifetime amount. So like if whatever the kid was like five, when the show ended, I was like, we wait like 10 years or whatever. Then he's 15. He discovers his father's the Bay Harbor butcher and all this stuff. And then they put out a new season. And I was like, you guys are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, just manifesting it into the yeah, world. So yeah, but the new X Men stuff has been fantastic. I love. Uh, I I I had a like a thought like as the like the weird uncanny run right before the Krakoan era was mm -hmm. was happening. It like dawned on me like oh both Gene and Scott died. Their actual legal marriage is dissolved. Like till death do us part. Right. So I was like wait. Can we just make I like just had this thought. I was like, can we just make them like Polly with Logan? Just so I don't have to deal with any more of these like you slept with my girl. And then they did. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> like it's just like I was just I was so sick of it. Like every couple of years it'd be like, oh, Logan, Gene's cheating on Cyclops. Cyclops cheating. I was like, can we just be done with it? Can we right. just be done? That's a stupid story. Yeah. It's been stupid for 30 years. Can we just move on to the next phase of this? And then he comes in and they live in the same house. Gene has doors to either to either room. And I'm like, yeah, this is appropriate. I like this. This is good. Like, cause then it's just like it's one less because I feel like a lot of those things are crutches in storytelling. You you like giving like before before they revealed that he was gay, doing a story where Bobby Drake has a bad relationship with a woman. Lame. It's been done 40 times. There's even a they haven't even did a story where like all the exes showed up. <laughs> like like there's a lot of exes and I think he has a kid with one of them. They kind of just like glossed over that. It was weird, but it's like, like when you do that 40 times, Oh, he's got one more weird relationship. Like he, you know, he, he kisses the doctor and he's trying to hook up with her and that fails as well. Like it's all been done. Like we've right. done bad Bobby Drake relationships before. So like, I liked when he was dating. Well, like when he was dating a dude regularly, like he had just a regular relationship and I was like, yes, <laughs> Right, but just give them like move them forward as characters. That's yes. been my my biggest thing in comics is the stagnancy, the like the 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 unfettered desire to go back to the status quo. Yeah. I loved Peter Parker when he had his own company. Yes. He was building yes. shit and growing yes. shit. I'm like, this guy's a scientist. Why wouldn't he be doing something yes. other than taking fucking pictures? Right. Like it just doesn't make sense. And then everyone's like, oh, it's fucking bad. And then it was like than the horror of fucking secret empire and we got we have to just tank peter parker's <laughs> life again well, let's do it let's just tank peter parker's life and all of a sudden it comes out that like because like you don't have to write the story where people find out that otto wrote his you know doctoral thesis right. or whatever right but they chose yeah. to so now he now he's a plagiarist on top like, right so now peter parker's a bad person <laughs> like, yeah 
that and that always bothered me. And and we did an episode on the the illusion of the third act in mainstream comics, where it's like you're always like you have the the first act, you have the second, and they're constantly in the second act, and they're hinting at, oh, this is going to be his third act or her third act, but it's always just in limbo, and you always have to return them back to the status quo. And I think that's where you know indie comics thrive versus mainstream comics of hey we can have a beginning middle and end we can have a complete story or we can have these characters go through actual change look at invincible look at walking dead you know actually have them progress versus just staying stagnant and it it's like that double-edged sword because like you know i love peter parker i love bruce wayne love all these classic characters but then i do want to see miles i do want to see the the new evolution and then i do want to see those classic guys kind of get move on in their lives instead of just staying 30 years old for, you know, for 30 years, 60 years. That's, that's been like a thorn in my side for the longest time. That's why one of the best X-Men stories I think in the history of X-Men is X-Men the end. Oh yes. It wraps up so much in such a beautiful way. Kitty pride becomes president. Like just everything, the way it just wraps everything up. Absolutely love it. And everyone grew up and people, you know, people died and, you know, people moved on. People got married. All of these things happen. I'm like, that's, those are the things that should be happening. Right. And it's like, this is all because really this is Jim Lee's fault. If you really go back and think (laughs) about it, because there is this, uh, and, and it's, it's pretty corroborated from a couple different angles, but like he went to Marvel and was like, I really like drawing Wolverine and Magneto. That was his whole thing. That's what he joined. That's what he went into comics mm. for. He wants to draw the characters he grew up with, which makes sense. I get it. Right. But at the same time, that means that Claremont couldn't execute his plans, which was to kill Wolverine, kill off Magneto, and move on to new shit. Mm. Yeah. And uh, so then they're like, well, we're going we're gonna to keep them around. And he's like, well, deuces, I'm out. <laughs> and then Jim Lee leaves like a year later or something. Yeah. And it's we, we see it over and over again. And it's like, I, I love when you have like the Parker industries, when you have that growth that we hadn't seen before in the character Mm -hmm. and then that writer leaves and then it's like, Oh no, now they got to reset them back to the status quo again. So yeah, it's, it's always kind of a a push and pull give and take with me where I'm like, man, I love mainstream comics, but I hate mainstream comics. So yeah, it's always something in the back of my mind. Um, That's that's why I dove into the indie space so heavily mm -hmm. because like you said, there is the, you can build in a finality. You can build in a storyline that begins and ends. One of my favorite self-contained stories is called Rainbow in the Dark. It's by a pair of creators. It's a husband and wife creator uh, couple, uh, Comfort and Adam. Um, they do great stuff. They also do a series called The Uniques, uh, which is like a, a little more like grunge. Uh, I don't say grunge. I, I'm, I'm bad at describing things, <laughs> but they're kind of like a, a Teen Titans, but like a little more like realistic, like grown up kind of version mm-hmm. of Teen Titans. Um, they're just like a little more. There's a lot more sex, a lot more swearing, that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, it's like a it's an indie Teen Titans kind of book. You know, it's like young heroes taking over after the the old guard has died, and like they're like the change of the guard has happened, and that's kind of where where the book starts. Um, and that's that's why I like this kind of stuff because you can move on and you could do other things. And like for me, I, I had a. I call it a hot take, but I don't really feel like it should be a hot take. Uh, a while back, that I don't know if you saw it, uh, I said uh, if you, 
if you want Peter Parker to stay single oh, and yes, stay broke, yeah, yeah, I did uh, you might be racist. Uh, <laughs> because because if you want him to continue being the amazing Spider-Man, the like the main Spider-Man, then you are actively preventing from Miles Miles from becoming the main dude. Um and because of that, we get Miles in some like I don't want to say bad stories, but like weird stories. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, like we gave him his own clone saga. And then he was jumping off in various other dimensions. And it's yeah. like, why are we doing all this weird? Like, why can't he just be in the same universe? Yeah. Uh, and then it's like, oh, and then he's back for a Spider-Verse thing. It, I, I want him to get his shine. I want him to be like, he was, he was the main Spider-Man on Ultimate for a while. Yeah. Yes. Why can't we just have like what I would do because it's still out there. We still haven't resolved it. Bring the spider baby back. Like that baby's still alive. That baby's out there from 1997 or whatever it was, 96, when like it, like the baby died. Uh-huh. It, it didn't die. They literally showed uh, Osborne being like, all right, take this baby somewhere else. Like it's on panel. This isn't something that like, this isn't headcanon. <laughs> <laughs> but they just like off panel decided that it didn't happen. But like it's on panel. It happened. Let's just have him find his baby. And then him and Mary Jane be like, holy crap, we had a baby. And, like, just do the same shit fucking uh, DC did. They just remember that they had a baby. Yeah, right. They don't have to have been married. Fine. They weren't married. But they had a baby. Right. And that's that's why they broke up. That was the big breakup, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's not hard to write. Like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm spitballing yeah. here, and it's coming out good. Like, right. it's not hard to write. But it's the the key is, and I think the best stories are told, when we have solid leadership mm. so like when when it was dan slot as much as people don't want to like they, they shit on dan slot a lot which i get like i don't personally understand like the real hate about the oh the, he, he turned franklin and it, it, he made franklin not a mutant right which like right, right. that happened sure but like franklin wasn't like an x-men character right he wasn't like a mainline mutant right and people are like oh well he was part of the 12 i'm like he wasn't though like, he was mentioned as a possible member of the 12 before they even knew what the 12 was going to be like it a lot of it a lot of his like involvement in relation to the x-men was already retconned so like one more thing like right. I, honestly i didn't feel that bad about it and i like i like franklin i like the character like i like his whole like in the future he's like ridiculously powerful and yeah. like he keeps coming back and being like Wake up, fool. <laughs> like, <laughs> back. Yeah. Like, I love that. That's like a like a good running gag that they have. But it's like I like Dan Slot Spider-Man so much because it was this like build-up. So like mm-hmm. Joe Kelly, I think, did an okay job after the whole one more day nonsense. Mm-hmm. But like Dan Slot came in and just crushed it. It was build up after build. I mean, like the whole Doc Ock thing was stroke of fucking genius i love but like that. i'm sending all the bad guys to wear you down so you make a mistake and i was like oh that shit is good <laughs> <laughs> uh and i think and it was so good i think that if you look at um what was it called it was batman eternal during uh during the new 52 they stole that oh yeah right, it was right. the same fucking plot i'm sending all the fucking bad guys to wear batman down that was that was the best batman book by far out of the new 52 like scott snyder gets his props or whatever but like batman eternal was so good because it still worked within the greater storyline everything else that was happening in the snyder books but eternal was just like for a year batman got beat up so that he could fight the one bad guy like it was so good and every time it was like oh you're the one it was like no i got the same invite as everybody else fool like oh so it was like every and then it was like oh the last guy was calculator or not calculator uh I always forget the Stephanie uh, Brown's dad. Oh, uh, shoot. Spo- uh, 
Dang, now I'm blanking. I was um, his damn name. Yeah, anyway, not spoiler. Yeah, no, it's right, him. Right, right. It's him. And it was like, no, it wasn't me. I still got the invite. And I was like, wow. Like, we're still going with this. But and it was good. It was entertaining. But that was the thing. Was the, like, once you had the Ock reveal, once he had the whole plan reveal, and you saw all the breadcrumbs, I was like, it's good shit. That's why I like the current X-Men stuff so much. Because we had these, like, little things all over the place. And it was like the new mutants went off to the Shi'ar space and they had an adventure and they came back with this egg and then boom, in the X-Men book, we deal with the egg and then brew becomes king of the brood of the brood. And now that was like something that we just kind of left dangling out there. And now in, in Captain Marvel, we're picking that up and the brood are coming for revenge. Something's weird because like, something's wrong. Cause he should be in charge. They, they shouldn't be going crazy like that. So like, it's all like really well being like handled. And I, <laughs> I was just reading, I start. I don't know if you saw my most recent role to read thing. Uh, I I started reading the Squadron Supreme. Oh. Holy crap! Omnibus, and there's a like early on. It's like an early Avengers issue, and uh, uh, Black Knight loses his uh, Ebony Blade. It gets teleported away from him, and then he's like, "They vanish along with my Ebony Blade." And then it's like a wide shot panel, and he's got the blade in the hilt. And I was like, <laughs> I was. You just had to not draw the handle. Like you just had to not draw the handle. Like it's sitting right there. Like it's like little continuity stuff. Like that yeah. is the bane of my existence. Like it just kills me. Like as long as there's a plan, and, and and like really anything, as long as there's a plan and you see where it's going, um, that's that's the kind of stuff that I love. Like I don't like. I still say the '90s was the greatest decade for media. Mm. But the X-Men books were rough in that era. I am fully willing to admit it because it was there was no grand plan. And it was just like, throw shit at the wall, throw shit at the wall. And I, I know for a fact certain things were just like, we have no fucking clue. And it was just like, last second editorial was like, he, Joseph's a clone. Figure it out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And it's like, we had to, they had to resolve that. And like, do a 12 story. And like, we did like a... It was okay. Like, it was a fine 12 story, but it was just like, what do we do? We did another age of apocalypse. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> like, it, it was like, we did something great. And it's funny. Cause I just, I literally just got these. I don't know if you know what these are. These are the Ooh. age of apocalypse uh, classics. Very nice. Uh, I, had, I had a few of them, but I found a, I found a lot on eBay and I was like, snatch. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, I like, I, I like when it's a, it's a good plan and I, I see certain indie books that are coming out swinging. Uh, I found a book uh, like two years ago. I started doing um, like a, a feature on uh, for black creators on Saturdays uh, on my on my Instagram. And I was just like, act, like aggressively looking for, for artists and creators and comic books. And I stumbled upon a book called Delta Dogs. And uh, I think it's Millennium Comics. And um, I was like, how is this? 11 issues deep and i've never heard of it and it's like and then i find out they're monthly and indie comic monthly i gotta see what's going on i'll pick up the first book on uh on comiXology solid let me get the next couple by the by, by the end of issue three i'm like all right well i gotta re- get the whole run <laughs> <laughs> like, it's because like you see the plan is there you see that there is a direction you see where the, you see that this is not just like we're just throwing some ideas out there like they're they're going at it strong and that's why that's what i like i like yeah. a good showing because it's like as much as i miss the like occasional single issue just like good single story having someone in charge to be able to just do the big, the big map, you know, they're seeing the whole universe map 
while you're just looking at the single issue, it's important. Yeah. It's important. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's some great stuff. And I'm I, I've got some uh, notes here. I'm taking Rainbow in the Dark and uh, Delta Dogs. So I'm going to pick these up after we finish recording here. But um, I also, you know, I was just watching a recent podcast that you did, and you were saying that Transformers and Beast Wars were two of the things that were kind of uh, influential on you. And I wanted to ask you real quick, what did you think about that new trailer that had the, um, the Optimus Primal? Um... <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I love Beast Wars. I love Beast Wars more than it's probably healthy. <laughs> I, I loved, I like, I, I went to venture and begged my mom for like a, it was, I think it was supposed to be an Optimus, but he was like a bat. It was like a completely different character. It had nothing to do with the show. It was just, you know, it was the era of just like make as many toys oh, about the thing as much right, as possible. Right. So like I, I got one of those and I, I fell in love with that. And it was like the era of 3D, right? I was watching Reboot. I was watching Beast Wars. Mm -hmm. There was a show called, I think it was called Shadow Raiders. Uh, it, was, it was like a, like different, like themed planets. Basically there was an ice planet. There was a rock planet and they were all trying to fight for survival. And there was a planet, like a planet that eats planets that was coming around and eating planets. That was the whole, that's the whole premise. There was a toy line <laughs> and everything. I think it ran Dang. for two seasons. I'm still trying to find it on DVD, <laughs> but like, like that was the era. So like watching that and watching the, the artwork get better and better throughout the seasons. And then when they went into beast machines, which was an even like greater achievement, but it's like, they kept abandoning like in the original transformers cartoon, like you kind of saw where the, you know, the Optimus arm became the lights and all that stuff. Beast Wars didn't care about that. Shit. They were just like, <laughs> this is a monkey. We're make, we're animating a monkey. There's no machine parts under this monkey. And now he's not a monkey. <laughs> and I love that. So when they, when they, when they went into beast machines, they were just like, let's just, dive into that now we're not even transforming the, they are transformed they're not even transforming mm, they're mm. not they're not doing the act of transforming it was like an involuntary thing with like the greater universe or whatever <laughs> like it was great but it was just like it was a great series and the appeal of it was the look the the whole premise was that they had these forms to protect themselves from the rampant energon so when i saw the like the drawings for the movie, I was like, oh, I don't know. And then when I saw the trailer, I was like, like, he's a big monkey, but like, he's not, he couldn't pass as a real monkey. Right. And that's right. the problem. It's like, mm. Optimus is a truck until he transforms. That's a truck. Yeah. Right. No questions about that. Yeah. That's not a monkey. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, there's no way that that's a monkey. Yeah. Like, that is a robot approximation of a monkey, which I get, but like, and then the the, uh, the other like super petty like deep hardcore fan of me, when he did the transformation, his legs didn't spin around, which like that uh -oh. was one of the greatest bits of the of the show because he would land and his legs would spin around. Yeah, I was right. like, that's the coolest shit. <laughs> and it's like he just like rolled and transformed, and I was like, I mean, that's cool. But I think that I think they're just like, I think they're doing the same thing that Beast Machines did. They're just like, they're diving into the like we have CG. Like it doesn't fucking mm -hmm. matter how they get there. He's a monkey. Now he's a robot and he's got guns. Let's just go. Like, they're just doing that. Like, I just don't think they're not like, when, remember, if you remember the first transformation of Optimus Prime, they spent like a minute and a half on that thing. Right. It was like, here's where the fucking oil filter goes. And like all the pieces, like this truck transformed into a robot. And that shit was awesome. 
But then as we move forward and they realize like, this isn't about the details and this isn't about the plot. It just became like, just, Hey, you just transformed. Now. <laughs> like, it's like, you can't, there, there's no, there's no in between animation of Grimlock transforming. Right. Like he's a giant dinosaur and then he's a robot. There's no, like, here's where all the arms and here's where the mouth go. No, 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 none of that's happening. <laughs> like, you know, we, we had that for the first one and that was to grab the attention. And I think it was good. I think the first movie was good. The plot is I'm honestly, I, I want no humans. I want all robots. Like, I'm just like, who cares? You know, <laughs> like, right. They should leave the planet and go do robot shit out in, out in the universe. Cause like, even when I'm watching the shows, it's like, Oh, this is cool. This is a cool, like interaction between robots. And then it's like, Oh, like three kids just walked up and <laughs> they're supposed to matter. <laughs> like they are the size of a pinky on one of these right. dudes, but right. they're somehow supposed to matter. <laughs> like, yeah. I never understood that. Even as a kid, I was like, I don't care about these people. And when the movie came out, I was like, Witwicky. And I didn't, I didn't understand that there would be a human storyline at all. I was like, I just, don't, I just want giant robots fighting. So that's what I'm saying. And that's, that's why everybody, people were trying to like, oh, like it doesn't make sense for them to be able to move that fast. I was like, I don't care. Yeah. I'm not here for accurate physics representation. What are you talking <laughs> about? Like, Giant robots fighting giant robots. Like I went to see, uh, was it Kong versus Godzilla? Yes. Not for deep plot. I wanted to see a big monkey fight a big lizard. Yes. And then they both fight a big lizard robot. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I needed out of that movie. They succeeded excellently. Like there was no, I don't. There's like certain movies like Fast and Furious. The more ridiculous stuff. Like I, everyone's like, oh, there, there was a rumor recently. They were like, oh, they should go like to, back to their roots and like, like more street race stuff. And I was like, you can't, you can't do that, right? Because it'd be boring as shit, right? Because we we have literally dropped car, literally, not like not CG. They took cars, put it in a C C one thirty Hercules, and shot the bitches into the ground. <laughs> like, yeah, right. You can't. That's not. You can't undo that yeah. we, we we didn't we can't have all, all of a sudden not done that right like idris alba is a cyborg yeah yeah <laughs> in that universe like we can't go back it's crazy because it's like you when you look back on where they started and where they end up it's like these guys are superheroes okay. they're international spies and like yeah. what is going on espionage all this stuff but i love it i love the transformation that they've gone through in the evolution and like you said you can't go back there's no way. Mm -hmm. hey, the next one has to be in space. They have to all transform into aliens or something. Something I, has I, to. Dude, I, I, I planned it out. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's a brilliant arc. Hear me out. You, you follow the Power Rangers, the, Ooh, the sequence. Yes. You go in space, something, something galactic. You go ga galaxy. You go super wide, and then you go light speed. Light speed causes some sort of, you know, crazy event or whatever. They get shunted into another universe. First movie, they're in the Jurassic Park universe because it's under the same studio. They're in this. Then they 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 use cars to fucking solve the the, the dinosaur overpopulation <laughs> problem. And what you see, and this is the key, this is the the moment of the movie that like solves everything. You see Chris Pratt riding a raptor, jump onto a Ford Raptor, and somehow use that to take out an F twenty two Raptor in the sky. <laughs> I I'm sold on this one. Um, and then after that, they get shunted into the Transformers universe and they stay there for that's forever. Fant the uh, Fast and Furious people are in the, in that universe now. And then we have two 
simultaneous lines of movies one where just robot shit happens one where the human like rebellion is and you see some robots sometimes i, I can't get down with that uh it's funny when you said chris pratt for a second i thought you were gonna say and then mario showed up i was like what <laughs> i was dude I, look i i like mario i like the concept of that movie i hated his voice i hated his voice and it's like he's doing the the accent Mm-hmm. There are two million Italian Americans in New York right now that could just do that. That's just how they sound. They don't have to put on anything. They just they could just, just give them some lines to read. They don't have to be actors. Yeah, <laughs> like this could be that you could literally have gotten an Italian American plumber from New York to do this job. Yeah, <laughs> like, and Chris Pratt doesn't have one of those like he, he's not like James Earl Jones. It's not like his his uh, voice is like has a presence it's like you just yeah. sound like a regular guy so that was that's the thing some strange casting on that one but i will still be seeing it because i think that the animation looks fantastic in those trailers it looks great it looks so. super great i love uh, i love the interactions like the little penguin people like that <laughs> was hilarious that was hilarious yeah all of that stuff looks good so definitely looking forward to that one um before we end this episode i did want um, to get our listeners to hear some more about Catalyst Magazine, why don't you tell us um, exactly what is going on over at your website? Absolutely. I, I'm hoping to put out this quarter's issue this week uh, before the end of the year, before the end of the quarter, you know, <laughs> try to put that one out. But uh, basically, it was uh, it was a way to force myself to write. Uh, I, I'm also a writer. Uh, I've also got notebooks and sketchbooks full of uh, plans. Uh, but it's it was a way to give myself a deadline, basically. Uh, this started as like a super macro version, like originally, like a six, seven, eight years ago. I was like, oh, I want to create the steam of indie, right? Ooh. Where you can get indie comics and indie music and indie games. Like yeah. all of it can be in this one application for your computer, just nice. like Steam, but indie. And we'll take the bare minimum, like we take an operating cut. That's it. No fucking 30%. Like if it, if it's, if it's, if we need, you know, $2,000 a month or whatever the fuck to run the servers, that's the only amount we will take. Hmm. Like, that's it. I'm not like, it's not a profit machine. It was always the, the idea was to just like make a place where everyone can go. Cause like, that's the thing when I was finding all those, you know, people a couple years ago, I was like, how have I not fucking heard about these people? Like there are people on their fourth, fifth, you know, 11th fucking issue. I'm like, how have I never heard of this shit? Yeah. And it's like, if I had a place to go and it's like, there are places where it's getting there and certain there are certain publishers any publishers that are like bringing a lot of talent into the same place but even then it's all still going to kickstarter it's all still go, like there's still like a middleman or two or three sometimes right. yeah so i really wanted this like one place and uh I, I started with the biggest version that's kind of how i am i started with the biggest version of the idea and then over the years i was like we we launched a website i've got the banner over here uh it used to be called write my epic and it was meant to be like a, a collaborative writing and creating space uh, and uh, started some like ideas there, like round robin writing, where it's just, you know, you write a chapter and somebody else comes in and writes the next chapter. A little bit like a creative social platform. Mm. Uh, and I think so- something like that could still happen maybe one day. But even that, like, it really wasn't going anywhere. And I was like, how, like, what can I do to like bring these ideas out for me like where i can put my shit down and then also share all these dope people because it's like i only have a limited following on at the time just instagram because i don't think it was even on tiktok yet uh, you know like i have a limited following on instagram you know like 
I'm not like several thousand deep mm -hmm. where I could just be like, yo, check this person out and I can send them, you know, sales. But like, if I create like a mailing list, everyone talks about mailing list, mailing list, mailing yeah. list. And I'm like, okay, but like, but like, like, what is it? And then mm -hmm. it just like formed out of that and it became this magazine. And I really wanted like the best of wizard magazine from back in the day. Cause I, that's my shit. Like I literally <laughs> that bottom two shelves over here is, is a wizard fan. And, and uh, uh, what's the other one? Whatever, like the, the, the like the three magazines that were out that time. Like I'm 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 looking to collect all of them because I like reading the old articles. Mm. It's really interesting to read like uh, interviews with people from 30 years ago. Yeah, some of it's really weirdly prophetic. It's kind of hilarious. Uh, but it's like I wanted to take the best of that and like the idea of heavy metal, mm. where it's like you literally can read the comic. So like when you have it in your hand, when you're reading it, in front, you know, when you have it in front of you, you could read the actual comic, the actual work. So I'm like, but like people aren't gonna, people don't have time to make new shit. And I was like, well, what, what if we share the first issue or the first chapter, you know, our first few pages, if it's something that's about to come out just to, to wet the appetite, right. Mm. Just to get a people interested. So that's what I do. I share people's, uh, you know, first chapter of their book or first issue or first few pages. And it's a live PDF that goes directly to your inbox and it's completely free for everybody. No one's charged for being in it. No one's charged for getting it. There's no advertising. Uh, we may at one point look at, I say we, it's like, it's me. <laughs> uh, it's, it's all me. I, it's all my work. So that's why, that's why it takes so long for me to put it out. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm looking into having some uh, guest collabs and stuff like that. And uh, I'm, it's something where it goes out. It's a live PDF, like I said. So if, you know, if you read something and you like it right after that page, you're going to have links to their social, your links to their website, or if, if it's on Amazon, like you can go directly and buy it on Amazon um, nice. or on their website or whatever. So like my, my, you know, I'm not trying to, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying to like, just like, cause there's a, there's a big fear in the indie community. Like, that people would just share the PDFs, right? If you give out the PDFs, people would just share it and you'll never get any sales. Right. And that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to send people to buy your shit. So like, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't even ask at the top of this, like I've been cursing the whole time. I hope that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's you fine. have a lot of editing to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that's just how I talk. But like, I, you know, I wasn't trying to, you know, undercut anybody. I really just like sharing stuff. And the the greatest thing about it has honestly been that it's been growing organically. Uh, I spent $0 on any kind of advertising. Uh, I mention it here and there when I drop an issue. Um, and that's about it. Like I really very rarely do any kind of promotion and we're over a hundred, uh, hundred subscribers already. Uh, it might be even more. Nice. That was a couple months ago. I looked, uh, and, and, and if, if anyone uh, listening or watching knows, anything about mailing lists, we have a 25% open rate, which is like unheard of <laughs> in the mailing list space. So yeah. uh, I think that's pretty cool. And like, I, I, I track the links because I want to see if this is helpful. Like I want to see, and people get clicks. So like people nice. are like, people are going to some of these links and, and seeing what's going on. And uh, that to me, honestly, makes it worth it. I also, like I said, I use it as a way to give myself a deadline. So I have put out, I put out the first, first novella basically through that the first five issues i dropped my my five chapters and uh, now i'm just finishing that up and, and sh hopefully gonna be publishing early next year and uh yeah it's just it's a way for me to get ideas out and i'll be honest with you when i finished that fifth chapter i was like it's done 
like, there's all this room in here now. <laughs> I've got all these other things that can happen. Uh, and then I went to editing, and that just really took over my life because editing is a bitch. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so everyone can find that at thecatalyst.digital and um, across social media, Instagram, TikTok. Like I said, I have been a fan of yours, and I will continue to be a fan. So please uh, continue all of the great work that you're doing across socials and being the indie hype man with Catalyst. Uh, that is fantastic. I, I very much applaud you, sir. Um, well, thank you so much. Man. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I'm very glad that you're able to join us today. And I want to let everybody out there know that Dalibor loves comics, and you should too.